Well, guys, good morning. It's Time Change Sunday, and I might not be quite the morning person that you think that I am, so it's been an early morning for me, and I want this service to make sense, so would you pray for me right now as we get ready? Let's talk to him right now. Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful for you, and it's in the powerful name of Jesus that we stand before you right now, and we pray that this would not just be another teaching in the scripture, but God, instead, we pray that your Holy Spirit would come here and you would talk to us, that you would convict us and change us, grow us. God, equip us to be more like you. We love you so much. I pray you'd speak through me now in this time, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Well, guys, I've been very excited about this series, about Supernatural, getting into this curriculum and and looking um, at a series that dives into one of my favorite books in the Bible, the book of Acts. And really in the book of Acts, as you've seen over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about the fact um, that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to come and bring supernatural power to the church. And that's not just the church as a whole, but that's you and I. Every one of us that are followers of Jesus Christ, he, he came to give us help so that you and I could really carry out what he's asked us to do. And we've been diving into this. In fact, just last week, we started highlighting some of the, the, the supernatural powers that the Holy Spirit has come and empowered normal people like you and I with. And just this last week, we started looking at some normal people's life and started highlighting some of the things that we saw the Holy Spirit do in their lives, and we want to continue in that this week. So we, we started off talking about Peter and, and how Peter was just a normal guy like you and I, and the first uh, supernatural power we highlighted was the, the supernatural power of proclamation. And how by the promptings of God, Peter decided he was going to stand up and speak what he believed and talk about what Jesus has done for him in his life. And in doing so, the Bible says that over 3,000 people came to to be believers in Jesus and started following Jesus Christ. They were saved that day. And what's so cool about this is we then saw that that brought us to the next supernatural power that we highlighted. And that's the supernatural power of devotion. Because what's so incredible about these 3,000 people that decided to follow Jesus, they, they looked at this scale like we talked about last week, and from the get-go, they said, you know what, if Jesus loves me and he were to die for my sins and make a way for me, then, then he deserves my full devotion. That I want, from day one, I want to live my life fully devoted to Jesus. You know, not just devoted in some areas, but when it comes to every area of my life, when it comes to worship and service, the time that I have, the gifts and abilities I have, when it comes to being at church groups and small groups, when it comes to my finances, no matter what area it is, I'm going to be fully devoted. I don't want to live my life just kind of in the low devotion category of just like, I'm going to kind of half-hearted follow Jesus, but no, he deserves my very best. And that brings us to where we're looking at today. I want to dive right into Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1. We're going to see some more supernatural powers that the Holy Spirit gives you and I. And we see it here, starting in verse 1, says this. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put there every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money, and Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave 
them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Verse 6 says, Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped up to his feet and began to walk. Then He went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had just happened. So right here, when you believe that the the Holy Spirit was done surprising people, the Holy Spirit decides he is going to do something new. That he's going to take a couple ordinary people, a guy by the name of Peter, a guy by the name of John, and he's going to give them the supernatural power and the supernatural guiding of of his spirit to to say, you know what, we're going to take a man who's been crippled, who's been hurting, who's been begging his entire life, and and you're going to see a miracle happen today. And all in this day, all of a sudden, this man who's been crippled and begging for 40 years the Holy Spirit reached down and touched, and God healed him that day. It's incredible because if you think about the timing and the setting, it's different than what we live in today. There was no social safety net to catch this man. There's no welfare checks. There's no food stamps. So if you think about this man's life, he went from from hoping that someone was going to provide for him and just hoping maybe someone's going to give me something to eat today. Someone will give me some money today. So we can assume he would go weeks, sometimes, sometimes even longer without even eating. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit reaches down and, and gives supernatural power to a couple ordinary people like you and I. And this man was healed. That's the supernatural power I want to highlight next. It's the supernatural power of healing. And I think this brings up a great question that we should talk about today. It's a question that I'm faced with a lot in what I get to do for a living. That Week after week as I visit people in the hospital and when I have the, uh, the times where I go visit people in hospice care when, when their loved one is about to pass away, people will ask the question, does God still miraculously heal people? And the answer is without a doubt, yes, God still does reach down. He chooses to reach down and touch lives and miraculously heal people. It's so cool because in our church, we get to see the result of this over and over and over again. We hear stories of people um, who would get diagnosed with cancer and then uh, they'll be prayed over and go back and the doctors will say, it's unbelievable, but your cancer's in remission. We see healing taking place here. We get to hear stories like that all the time. In fact, just last night, I was reading a testimony. There's a woman in our church by the name of Chandra and she gave me permission to share this testimony. But just last night, I was reading this testimony of a woman who said for years her and her husband were struggling with infertility and, and there there had been a battle going on and there there was struggles that she went through of just wondering if she'd ever be healed and hoping and, and trying to hold on to the dreams that God has given her and all the while they knew that they were supposed to adopt as well so in a process of years, as years have gone by, and they were hoping God would heal them, they began adopting children, and, and, and all of a sudden, 
they're here in the service and they get to hear Pastor JL as she stood up and told a story of her being healed and her infertility issues. And when this took place, it was like some faith was deposited down into her. And, and there was another opportunity that she had to step forward and be prayed over in this area. And, and we see that she tells in her story, she came forward, was prayed over, and then they were able to have a children by natural birth a child by natural birth after that and when i read this last night she gave in her email the fact that they are now carrying her second natural child that is a total of now 5 children in their family what a wonderful, wonderful testimony. She's sitting just right down here in front. I got to tell you, we prayed for her for healing. God did it miraculously. Five kids. Now we should pray for her for strength, church. <laughs> Dear Jesus, help her. Help her now. But God can and does choose to reach down and miraculously heal people. But let's be honest. That brings up a whole other question. A much more difficult question, the question of why is it then that God will reach down and miraculously touch and heal one person and he might choose to not reach down and miraculously touch and heal another person? And as I've been asked this question, as I've sat in hospice center rooms, as I've sat in hospital waiting rooms, I'm going to give you the same answer that I've given every time I've received this question. And the answer I know is this. I don't know. It would be very arrogant for me to stand on this stage and act as if I could somehow understand why God chooses to heal some people miraculously and yet he chooses to not heal other people miraculously. I, I don't know that. I don't understand that. But I think something that's helped me all along the way in my walk with God is just first off understanding what the Bible has to say about healing. Because when we start to see and understand what, what the Bible says about healing, we can hold on to, to hope more. We can trust more. Because we see, first off in Scripture, the Bible makes it clear that every follower of Jesus Christ, every person that has a relationship with Jesus Christ, will be ultimately miraculously healed. That every one of us, once we pass away here, will receive a new heavenly body. Not a body that's going to have ailments, not a body that's going to be sick anymore. That's why, for many of us, we've lost loved ones. And we take heart and take courage in the fact that we know, and we're confident in the fact that we know, they're no longer sick anymore. They're not struggling with the diseases they had, the problems they have anymore, but God has given them a new body. That's the first thing the Bible makes very clear to us that are followers of Christ, that he'll ultimately heal every one of us. The second thing we see is that God designed the human body with supernatural ability to be able to heal itself. That's why you've been sick before, you've been injured before, and you came out of it. God put a supernatural ability in your body to be able to heal itself. And then we also see that God raises up very intelligent people in, in the field of being a doctor or in pharmacology to where there, there are people making advances now because of God's touching them in their lives and bringing them along the way to where now you and I have the benefit of that. And sicknesses that would have killed you a hundred years ago, there's now medicine that God has allowed to take place and brought people up into where you and I are now surviving things that were taking people out just a hundred years ago. But 
the problem that lies with this is for many believers, there's a lot of us that we hold on to just these three truths and think, you know what, ultimately God's going to heal me if I pass away or we think my body can heal itself or maybe the doctor can help. And we miss the most important piece of this puzzle. And the most important piece of this puzzle is that your creator, your heavenly father who created you wants to heal you. He wants to bless you. He wants the best for you. And the Bible says, it's very simple, we just have to ask him. We need to bring these requests before God because who knows, he could choose to do so. In fact, we see Philippians 4 verse 6, this verse clearly says, let your request be made known to God. So maybe you're here and you're going, you know, I, I feel like I have a sickness. I feel like I've been struggling with something. There's been some ailment in my life. I want to ask you, have, have you let this request be made known to God? And I say this because I know that this can be an area I struggle with. Because many times there are things I should be let known to God and, and I'll sit around and I'll worry about them. And while I'm worrying about them, I'll like get it confused in my head and think, well, I, I prayed about it. I asked God about it. When the truth is, I never prayed about it. I just sat there and worried about it. And your heavenly father is saying, just, just let your request be made known to me. Talk to me about it. Pray, pray about it. And I think another thing we'll do is what I've heard some pastors call spiritual gymnastics. We'll twist ourselves around and, and try to make all these assumptions about why we should or shouldn't be healed and we just confuse things and we think, you know what, maybe it's God's plan that he doesn't heal me. Maybe it's God's plan that, that he would use me as a testimony for someone else and that would be like help this person or that. And there's a reason why you should heal this person and maybe not me. And it's like we do all this twisting around, all this confusion, make all these assumptions about why we should or shouldn't be healed when God is saying, just, just ask me. Just ask me. Make your request known to God. That's why we do what we do in our services many times. And we'll invite you to come forward and be prayed over. is because we believe our God can and does reach down and miraculously heal and touch people. And I, I just, I feel a stirring in here right now that there might be some of you in this room going, you know what, I, I, I wish I would have stepped forward. I wish someone would have prayed for me. And I want to I, I do that. And I want to encourage you after the service is over, grab one of us, grab one of our staff members or volunteers in the lobby and let us pray with you before you leave today. Because we see highlighted right here in scripture, this wasn't like a miraculous gift for just the, the, the elite, for a specific group of people. No, this is a super, supernatural power that the Holy Spirit empowers normal people just like you and I, ordinary people like us. And that brings us to what happened next in the story of Acts because there's another supernatural power we're, we're about to see uh, that, that comes right to light. But we see first that what happened here is after this healing, there was like chaos breaking out. Because here this man is who is begging at the gates and now he's dancing around. He's like, guys, I'm healed. God healed me. This is awesome. It's exciting. And, and people were gathering around trying to figure out, how did this happen? We've seen this guy here for 40 years. Like something miraculous happened. How did this happen here? And Peter decides he's going to stand up. Because he's coming off the high of like his really good first sermon last week, you know, and he's thinking, I, I did it once, I can do it again. So he stands up with this confidence and this boldness and thinks, you know, 
If the, the Holy Spirit gave me supernatural power to proclaim the truth about him once, he could do it again. And the Bible says Peter stood up and he began teaching about Jesus. He began teaching that Jesus forgives us of our sins and that, that, that he makes a way for us and he's conquered death and hell and the grave so you and I can have not just a good eternal life but a great life here on this planet too. And the Bible says here in verse 4, Acts 4 verse 4, but many who heard the message believed so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Man, can you imagine that? He stands up and he proclaims the truth again and and God blesses it again and more people become followers of Christ and and he, prompted by the Holy Spirit, continues on and says one of the most controversial statements in the gospel message of Jesus Christ. In fact, it's a statement that has caused conversations for over 2,000 years. It's caused people to get in great debates and arguments over for 2,000 years. And this is what he says in verse 12. He's speaking about Jesus. He says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So the text very clearly teaches here that not all roads lead to heaven. The text teaches very clearly here that not all religions lead to God. That not living a, living a good life is not going to get you to God. But very clearly it speaks out there is one way, one person, one gate, one door, one Christ, and that is Jesus Christ. If you want to have a relationship with God, your one way is Jesus. And I know that that kind of a controversial statement. You think, well, wait a minute, that, that's not really culturally acceptable. It's politically incorrect. You, you can't say anything like that. Does it say any, that anywhere else in the Bible? Well, yeah, he, he got these from Jesus' words himself. Because Jesus in John 14, 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. There is one way that you can have a relationship with God. One way you can be forgiven. It has nothing to do with how good you live your life. It has nothing to do with how educated you are. God makes it so very clear it's through his son. Through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And just as incendiary as these comments can be in our culture today, they were just as incendiary when Peter spoke them 2,000 years ago. Because... The leaders started saying, wait a minute, you can't talk like that. That's going to cause division. People are going to get upset. They're going to think, like, you're, you're being exclusive like that. Like, you can't just say things like that. And they decided they were going to take Peter and John and throw them in jail. And it says this in verse 18. It says, then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. You see this picture here? God is empowering his church. He's moving forward. He's teaching the world. I sent my son Jesus and made a way for you. Accept Jesus. They go out. They start proclaiming Jesus' name. It makes people upset so that people pull them aside and say, you can't speak like that anymore. Don't say the name of Jesus anymore. You can still go out and try to heal people. You can still do this. You can still do that. But don't talk about Jesus anymore. And I love the response. I love this beautiful response from these two ordinary men. Verse 20, 
So we cannot help speaking about what we have seen or heard. They're right there in the faces of these religious leaders, right there in the faces of these government officials saying, you're not going to get me to stop talking about Jesus. Uh, you, you can't threaten me. You can't throw me in jail. You, you can kill me, but you can't silence me because I know who Jesus Christ is. And I know he made a way for me, and you didn't make a way for me. He made a way for me. And church, we see this. This is, this is a supernatural empowerment from the Holy Spirit. This is a supernatural boldness. Supernatural boldness to say, you know what? I, I don't care what you say you can do. I don't care what you can try to threaten me with. Jesus Christ died for me. He rose again. And I am going to stand up for the truth whether or not it makes you uncomfortable. I wonder, have you ever been put in a place where maybe God has asked you to do something that would take a little bit of boldness and you felt that uncomfortable feeling on the inside. Like, I, I don't know what this is going to cost me. I don't know. This could, this could hurt me here. I, I received a, a text of an article to read and it, on Fox News this last week. There is a, an article that's called Iran's Secret Christian Movement. I don't know if you read it. I want to encourage you to get online and read it. It's so cool because there are millions of people coming to faith in Iran right now. People that are learning about Jesus Christ, giving their lives to Jesus. And what's so incredible about this is these people that are learning about Jesus know that it's against the law. They know that, that they're in danger, and by worshiping Jesus, by singing songs to him, by meeting together, they know they are risking their own lives, and they step forward and say, you know what, if Jesus made a way for me, then, then of course I'm going to stand up and love him no matter what. You can't stop me from loving my Jesus. It's beautiful. But then it makes me a little sad when I look at my own life. Because I think, when have I ever been asked to take a risk like that? You know, I mean, we live in a free nation. We're blessed. So I think about, like, when are the times God has asked me to take a risk? And, and, and when I think about those risks and I weigh the cost, I'm, I'm really more weighing the cost of, you know what, if this goes bad, it might be a little awkward. If this goes bad, he might not follow me on Instagram anymore. You know, if, if this goes bad, I mean, worst case scenario, maybe I'd upset my boss. Maybe I could lose my job. And we look at this and I wonder, I want to ask the question again. Has God ever asked you to step out in boldness where there might have been a risk? Might, might make you a little uncomfortable. Because on the scale here, for people who live on this full devotion side of life, and they say, you know what, God deserves my everything, I'm his, he paid the price for me, so if he says do it, I'm doing it. It doesn't matter how risky it is, it doesn't matter how scary it is, I'm gonna be bold, I'm gonna be supernaturally empowered to stand up for what I believe. But there's also people that would maybe live a little more over on this low devotion side, and maybe if we were honest, we'd say, I was given the opportunity to stand up for what I believed, but I kind of cowered, kind of backed out of that one. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't want to lose that opportunity. I didn't want to lose that friendship, and we counted the cost and said maybe it's not worth it. But we look in this story and we see that, that 
the Holy Spirit decides to take a couple of ordinary people like you and me. Ordinary people were left to our own devices. We would all lean over here and take the easy road. We'd all say, I don't know if it's really worth it. I, I don't know. The Holy Spirit says, all right, you're my kids. You're, you're, you believe in Jesus. He's made a way for you, so I'm going to give you what you need. I've asked you to, to tell others about God. I've asked you to move forward in life, so I'm going to give you the strength, the supernatural boldness to move forward. Guys, I think that that's something every one of us in this room should pray to have more of. It's funny because just this last week after I finished speaking in the 11 o'clock service, uh, something really funny happened that uh, Jason, who is our security guy on this side over here, he told me this story last week and I wanted to share it with you because first off, it's a little embarrassing, uh, but you need to know and you need to, I need to disclaim it with telling you, I respect and love everyone who puts themselves in a place of security that, that protects us, watches over us. They deserve honor because they put themselves out there for us. So let's give them honor. First, my beautiful daughter, I'm going to pick on you now, Rachel, my 12-year-old, sitting right here on the front row. She sits on the front every week. After last week's service, she decided she wanted to come see me backstage, so she kind of runs over to that side of the stage, and she knows Jason, and, and Jason says, hey, where are you going? She says, you can't, he goes, you can't go back there. She looks at him like, Psh, right. And just stomps right up the stairs, right past them. I'm like, Jason grabbed me after the service, told me, like, man, first off, I am very sorry about that. But it made me think of something because as I thought about that, thinking maybe I should correct the behavior in my daughter or whatever. No, 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 no. My daughter lives in such a boldness because she knows the love her father has for her that she's like, you are not going to get in the way between me and my heavenly father. And that is the type of life every Christian, you are not going to get in the way between me and my heavenly father. So it doesn't matter if you can threaten me. It doesn't matter if you can fire me. It doesn't matter if you can take opportunities away from me. Jesus died for me and he deserves the breath from my lungs being spoken out for his glory. That is supernatural boldness. Jesus came to empower his church. He said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to give you the help you need in order to be powerful. No, we don't need these things if we're just going to spend the rest of our lives sitting on our hands not doing anything. But when we say, God, I want to be used, I want to move forward, I want to do something, then we're going to need a strength. And we can't just make that up. We can't just say, I'm going to be more devoted, I'm going to be stronger, I'm going to be more bold. It's like, no, Holy Spirit, I need your help. And it's the Holy Spirit that takes ordinary people like us and empowers us. It brings us to the next thing that we see in Scripture here. Continuing on in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, it says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that, their pose- uh, that any of their possessions was theirs or their own, but they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them. Remember this. This church is over 5,000 people now. Thousands of people. It says no needy people among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the cells and put them at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Guys, 
These believers, so submitted, so fully devoted to Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, experience the supernatural power of generosity. You say, well, supernatural power, that's just choosing to give. Guys, it's supernatural because every one of us are born selfish. One of the first words you ever spoke was mine. (laughs) Mine. If you have kids, you hear that word a lot. Mine, mine, mine. Left to our own devices, we will always be selfish. And we can say for a period of time, I'm going to try to be generous. And we can try for a period of time. But when we submit ourselves to God, the Holy Spirit can so empower you to become a generous person. To instead of going mine, 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 to start looking and going, wait, it's all his. And what he wants to do with it, he should be able to do with it. And I shouldn't be the one standing in the way going, mine, 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 mine. The first step of this, we talk about it on the weekend so that we can all understand how to be obedient to God. But God talks about tithing. And I love this, um, this teaching on tithing. I, I've seen it from Pastor Bill Hybels of Willow Creek Church. He talks about the ABCs of tithing. These are the ABCs of tithing. In this room, we're, we got a guy in here, we'll, we'll call him Fred. And we'll say that Fred, he, he, he's trying to live his life getting from A to B. He says, I, A is where I am right now. I've got a salary, I've got a job. I'm trying to make my way to B, where ultimately at B, I want to be retired. I want to send my kids to school. I, I want to have a good life. I want to pay off my mortgage. And for me to get to A to B, I've done the math, and in figuring out the math, it, it is going to take 100% of my resources. He, so he's done the math, and Fred loves Jesus. Fred's part of our church. Fred Fred is here worshiping with us every week. But there's also another type of person in the room, and we're going to call him Bill. And Bill is in the room as well, and and he's thought about this, and he knows right where I am. I've got a job. I'm at point A, and I want to get to point B too. I want to get to a place where I can send my kids to school, and I could retire and have my house paid off, and I want to do all these things. And and, and it's probably going to take a lot of resources, but... You know what, the Bible says that I'm supposed to trust God with 10% right off the bat. I'm going to trust him 10% first. So that means I've got 90% to get from point A to point B. But this is what Bill thinks about this scenario when he does the math on it. He goes, well, if you look at the Bible and you look at what Jesus says, you look at what God said. He said in Malachi that if you just trust me in this, test me in this, see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing on you that you won't even have enough room for it. He goes, you know what? I trust God enough that I am not going to try to get from A to B in life. Instead, I want to get from A to B to eventually see the place in my life where God is opening up the windows of heaven and pouring out so much on me that I'm not just experiencing the type of life that other people experience. I'm to have that and I'm going to have a lot more. That's the type of life Bill wants. So here's the trick about this. Both Fred and Bill go to our church. Both Fred and Bill are in this room right now. Both Fred and Bill worship God together every week. And, And here's the thing. Fred thinks Bill is an idiot. It's true. Fred looks at Bill and goes, no, you're never going to make it there on 90%. Can you not do math? Do you own a calculator? Figure it out. You'll never make it there. I've done the math. This is the only way to do it. And then at the same way, Bill thinks Fred is an idiot. 
Because Bill looks at Fred and goes, wait a minute. You say you trust God with your life. You trust him with forgiveness. You trust him with every other area. Wouldn't you trust God to be able to come through on his promises? So, so how in the world could you settle for B when you could have all that God wants for you? Don't you want C? Wouldn't you trust God? So they both think that each other are idiots. And that's what leaves us this question. What type of idiot are you going to be? Because every time you receive resources, every time God puts something in your hands, you have to make this choice. Am I going to trust him or am I not? And see, this is just kind of the, the first step. This is the obedient step of being supernaturally generous. Because we see here that in this passage it goes on and says that they weren't just tithing. They, they were selling stuff and giving things away so that people didn't have need. Week after week, I hear beautiful stories of those of you in this room who go and buy vehicles for other people who couldn't afford them on their own. Week after week, I hear about those of you in this room who go and buy groceries for single moms who are struggling. Week after week, we hear the stories of people who say, you know what, left to my own devices, I'm selfish. But Holy Spirit, empower me. What do you want me to do? And he takes us to this place where supernaturally we start looking more like him. Going back into this same passage, it started off with our last point today. And it's the verse, all the believers were one in heart and mind. This is supernatural unity. See, I think you could read that verse, all the believers are in one heart and mind, and just kind of skip over it. But if you think about this, this was a huge church, thousands of people. There was Jew and Gentile. There was young and old. There was man, there was woman. There was married people and there were single people. A hugely diverse church. And they were all unified, one heart and mind. Because it takes supernatural power to get diverse people to be unified. If you don't believe that, turn the debates on and watch a little bit of the political debates right now. We're a diverse nation. In our diverse nation, there is like war going on intellectually between one another because people are not of one heart and one mind. Guys, that's what I love about our church. Because we can start to see the supernatural unity in our own church. Guys, I've seen it here. I've seen Bronco fans here in this church. I've seen Patriot fans here in this church. Even one time I saw a Raiders fan in this church, you know. We're different. There's young and old in this room. There's, there's Republican, there's Democrat in this room. There's married, there's single in this room. There's a lot of diversity and a lot of things that could cause us to divide. But you know what's so beautiful? Is when you allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and lead you in life just like Jesus wants you to. All of a sudden, all those things that don't matter get pushed aside and we start to look unified supernaturally because of the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me? Again, all of this doesn't matter if you're going to go through your life and just sit on your hands. But when you decide, you know what, Jesus deserves my best. He paid for my life. 
He forgave me when no one else would have forgiven me. He's made a way for me. And if he's done this, then he deserves my life. When you decide I'm going to live my life for him, then you start going, I can't do this on my own. I need the Holy Spirit's supernatural strength and power in my life. Would you pray with me? Jesus, as we stand before you today, we're so thankful, first off, for your forgiveness. We're thankful for your love. We're thankful that you sent a helper to empower us to look more like you. So right now in Jesus' name, I pray that your Holy Spirit would flood this room and flood our lives and help us to be people who stand up in boldness, proclaiming your truth. God, living fully devoted to you, leaning into you and decide we're gonna do whatever you want us to do, no matter the cost. Help us to be generous. Help us to be unified, to stop living our lives, fighting about about differences with other people, but starting to live unified because we're all children who are loved by the same Father. So we love you so much, God, and we pray that you be with us, empower us, strengthen us, and again, we want to look like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's give him a shout of praise if you love him. He's good.